Hey! Welcome back to 365 Days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, video maker, Oakland native, and a Kennedy family historian. I'm also a big history nerd. I love untold stories, gross facts, and secrets, anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. So each day, I'm going to share some of my favorite deep cuts with you. So let's dig into today's stories with the trigger warning for the details of a presidential assassination. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365. Today, in 1963, an assassination shattered the nation. President John F. Kennedy was shot twice in a motorcade in Dallas and died despite 15 doctors working to save his life. Kennedy was at the prime of his life and getting ready for what was assumed to be a steady re-election campaign. He was traveling the United States and speaking in as many as nine different states per week. The main purpose of the speaking tour was to engage voters on current environmental issues, natural resources, and conservation. He also spoke about issues that he thought might become hot-button topics in the 1964 election to get a feel for voters' vibes on issues like education, national security, and world peace. On November 12th, Kennedy held his first political planning session for the coming year's election. He talked about gaining ground in battleground states of Florida and Texas and outlined his campaign plan for visiting the states. Jackie Kennedy planned on joining JFK on the tour, which was monumental because it would be her first public appearance since the loss of the couple's baby Patrick earlier that year in August. They departed Washington on November 21st for a two-day, five-city tour in Texas. The president knew that there was extremist groups in Dallas to be concerned about. A UN ambassador had been attacked there a month earlier, but it didn't stop him from continuing the tour. November 22nd was a Friday, and the morning was slightly rainy. A few thousand people waited outside the hotel where the Kennedys had been staying in Fort Worth to see the president and his wife. Kennedy gave a speech in front of the hotel, where he thanked people for coming out in the rain and spoke about space travel and economic growth. Afterwards, he left the hotel and headed on to Dallas. When they arrived at Dallas Love Field around 1230, onlookers gave the First Lady a bouquet of red roses as the couple greeted fans and shook hands. They then got into a waiting convertible with the governor of Texas and his wife, The procession started on a 10-mile route through downtown Dallas. When the car turned off Main Street at Dealey Plaza, gunfire abruptly rang out in the street. Before anyone could intervene, bullets hit the president's head and neck and he was slumped onto his wife. The driver quickly rerouted to Parkland Memorial Hospital, but it was too late to save the president's life. He was pronounced dead at 1 p.m. JFK's body was brought back to Dallas Love Field and placed on Air Force One. Vice President Lyndon Johnson was sworn in as president before the plane took off. The Dallas police quickly arrested Lee Harvey Oswald, who was a new employee at the Texas School Book Repository, the building that the motorcade had been passing when Kennedy was shot. Two days later, Oswald was supposed to be transferred from police station to jail, but midway he was shot point-blank and died two hours later at the same hospital. The man who shot Oswald was identified as Jack Ruby, the owner of a local nightclub. The president's funeral took place that day in Washington. Mrs. Kennedy requested that the funeral be modeled after Abraham Lincoln's, and her wishes were granted. Six gray horses pulled a carriage with a casket accompanied by one riderless black horse. Thousands attended the procession and wept in the streets. In the past 24 hours, 250,000 people had come to view the casket and pay their respects. President Kennedy was buried the next day, Monday, November 25th, at Arlington National Cemetery. 
Later that week on November 29th, newly sworn in President Lyndon Johnson began an investigation into the assassination, the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, and it became known as the Warren Commission because its chairman was named Earl Warren. The Warren Commission ran for 10 months and concluded that Oswald had murdered Kennedy and acted alone. Years later, though, the United States House Select Committee on Assassinations announced that they believed that the assassination was related to a larger conspiracy. They had access to audio recordings that made it sound like more shots were fired than initially reported, which led them to announce the possibility of a second gunman. Later reports contradicted the veracity of these recordings, and though the official U.S. Justice Department's stance is that there was no conspiracy and Oswald acted alone, it's still a hotly debated subject. And there isn't a true consensus on what happened. Jack Ruby was convicted of Lee Harvey Oswald's murder, but the verdict was later overturned. Ruby ended up dying in prison while waiting for an appeal. Lots of Americans, 61% according to 538, still believe that there were more people involved in Kennedy's death than officially alleged. The Select Committee on Assassinations had said that there was probably a second shooter on the Grassy Knoll, a hill overlooking the area where Kennedy was shot. The National Academy of Sciences Committee on Ballistic Acoustics later debunked this theory, but people still bring it up as evidence. Another conspiracy theory is about a man with an umbrella. The day in question was sunny, but there were multiple photographs of a man, Louis Stephen Witt, carrying a black umbrella near the plaza and raising it into the air at the same time that Kennedy drove past. There is suspicion that he was giving a signal or shooting a poison dart from the umbrella. Witt claimed later that the umbrella was just something he used to heckle the president because the Kennedy family hated umbrellas. Kind of weird, but okay. I understand why people didn't buy that explanation. Another theory, yep, there's a lot, is that Kennedy was killed in a hit by the mob. JFK's brother, Robert Kennedy, was engaging in anti-mob activities as attorney general by prosecuting Jimmy Hoffa. RFK himself stoked this theory because he was so afraid that he had a part in causing his brother's death that the theory gained credence. And of course, we can't talk about conspiracy theories without mentioning the most incendiary one, that the government itself conspired to kill Kennedy. Proponents of the inside job theory still ardently believe that the CIA is responsible for the assassination. A little bit of RFK believed it too. According to his biographer, a CIA-involved intervention was RFK's first thought when he found out his brother was dead, though he changed his mind later. The most recent conspiracy theory actually involves Ted Cruz's father. You're probably wondering, what? Well, in the lead-up to the 2016 presidential election, Trump accused the fellow candidate's father of being an associate of Lee Harvey Oswald. The Warren Commission's notes and records on the proceedings were submitted to the National Archives in 1964, and the unpublished part of the records was set to be sealed until the year 2039 because of a policy that protected all federal investigations involving the executive branch. Though the rule that put those records under lock and key no longer exists, some of the records still haven't been revealed. The most sensitive documents are now slated to be released in October 2021. Hopefully, we'll be back here to talk about it then. Our music fact is more recent and less sad. On this day last year, Grace Vanderwall, winner of America's Got Talent, released her EP Letters, Volume 1. Grace performed I Don't Like You from the EP on The Late Late Show with James Corden on November 13th. And if you can't get enough of Grace Vanderwall, you can watch her as the eponymous Stargirl in the adaption of Jerry Spinelli's iconic book. And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going to go into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on November 22nd in my life. 
On November 22nd, 2019, I received news that I was going to be recording a simlish version of Prom Dress for The Sims. Now, this is probably one of the most exciting emails that I ever got from my management team to let me know that like, hey, I'm going to be doing this project. But the real kicker was that they had translated the lyrics of Prom Dress into what became known a Zopness within the Sims universe. Um, so last year, on this exact date, I was notified that I had all of these Simlish versions of every single word in prom dress, which is just really exciting and became a pretty big moment for me in terms of my career. But that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow. If you please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow along at 365 Days MXM Tune on your preferred social media platforms. It's 365 with MXM Tune. New facts every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff, no, it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 